Jim will be doing like just loving this stuff. I will not be continuing that message. Jim will be doing that next time he speaks. Uh, but if, you're, if you haven't been able to, to dive in and follow us, check us out online. Get our app seriously because all the messages get on there really quickly. Um, and if you haven't listened to Pastor Jim's messages, man, I highly recommend it. I mean, the last time he spoke, I mean, I was talking, his opening line about Apocalypto, I'm still marinating on. So just, just check it out. It's been amazing. It's been an amazing journey to go on together as a church community. And uh, I believe uh, Pastor Jim is the church of Sar- Sardis. Sardis is next. So, okay. Well, welcome, you guys. Uh, if you're new, like Pastor Jim said, we're doing things a little bit unconventionally around here where we have tables and chairs set up. We're going to be kind of doing messages on the front end. Uh, we're going to have ministry on the back end. We have worship uh, right after this. And uh, there's bulletins. You guys can kind of check out what's going on around the church. Um, it's one of those things that we're, we're, we're adopting a new wineskin and learning how to fill it. So sometimes it's a little bit different. We just want to welcome you if this is kind of new for you. It's still new for us, and we've been doing it here for a couple months. So uh, a little bit about myself. So on Sunday nights here at Zion Powell, and so what that looks like, it's called the Columbus School of Supernatural Ministry. And the Columbus School of Supernatural Ministry is a really cool place. I saw a couple of CSSMers go like this. Okay, so you guys, can, you guys can be loud while I'm speaking. It's totally fine. You can give me a shout, you know. Uh, but CSSM, our ministry school, it, it, it's a really amazing environment that, believe it or not, this is our 10th year of having a ministry school. It, it's something that was really birthed in the heart of God and, and that Jim and Mary really wanted to lead a church that looked like a ministry school and really wanted to start somewhere. So we just kind of brainstormed, got together. A team launched the school, and 10 years later, it's still going. It's amazing. Yeah. So, you know, about, about four or five years ago, I used to tell the team, like our, our CSSM team of leaders who help run the school, I used to like finish the school for the year and talk to them in the summer and be like, listen, I just don't think that the school's going to make it. I, I just, it's been a good run, guys. Like, <laughs> but just prepare your hearts. I don't know what's going to happen here in the future. You know, I just like, I, 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 got no, I, I had no great strategy for a ministry school. It was either Jesus or nothing. It, and every, every, for probably about three or four quarters in a row for a few years, I literally was preparing everyone of like, listen, this might fall under. Because like, if Jesus doesn't show up, this is like, we don't have anything that's proprietary. We just have Jesus. And, uh, and, and after a number, after about a year or two of doing that, the Lord really had to correct me that he is so faithful that I needed to take hold of his faithfulness. And, and, and so now I'm like, yeah, it's, it's happening. And now I'm decreeing. I'm like, yeah, it's going to be awesome. There's going to be all these people there. Because there's all these people there. How many of you found that Jesus can do stuff in your life with your agreement or without, but it's way better when you're with him? Like, it's just way better when you're with, in agreement with the Lord on your life. It's so much better when you're, when you're, when you're staying connected to the Lord. And, you know, man, I don't know about you guys. I'm just so grateful for God's grace over my life. Aren't you grateful that God is not sitting up in heaven? He's not sitting next to you right now in the chair and grading what you've done today, what you've thought, what you're thinking, what you've done maybe, maybe wrong this week, your imperfections. You know, his list doesn't look like that. Someone's, there is a list that looks like that. It's just not his. The enemy has a list that looks like that. And we'll try to speak those things over your life. How many of you, when left alone, you come out way more discouraged than when you were with people? You know, isolation is a killer to your calling. 
Isolation is a killer to your calling. God has a list that looks like your destiny, your future. God has a list that looks like all the things that you're not, that he is inside of you. How many of you are familiar with uh, the uh, Ephesians, the, the section of scripture that talks about the armor of God? I feel like I'm in a room full of champions today, man. <laughs> the armor of God. What, what's some of the armor of God? Just shout it out. Shield of faith. I heard the shield of faith. The swords. Yeah, we got some violent people here. That was the first one they thought of. The sword of the spirit. The shield of faith. The helmet of salvation. The breastplate of righteousness. The belt of truth. Your feet fitted in the readiness of the gospel. It's this picture of this covering. Well, how many of you know in Ephesians, the context of that is that's in Ephesians 6. Ephesians 5 which sets the context for Ephesians 6, is it actually says, you now be imitators of God. The armor of God is us being imitators of him. Now, I have some really good news for you guys. Ready? We're going to land somewhere here, short, brief, powerful today. We're going to have worship. We're going to engage with the Holy Spirit in unique ways today. It says this. It says, the Bible says in Psalms that he is your shield. That it actually says, his faithfulness is your shield. In Ephesians, it says, take up your shield of faith. Well, who gave you the shield? The Lord is the one who actually gives you the shield. I just want to put this out there today. Your faith is not as good as Jesus's. Just, just follow me for a moment. He's growing it, but he actually gives you his faith. He actually gives you his faithfulness. So all those pictures, those different parts of the armor of God, the shield, the helmet, the sword, the, the breastplate, the, the belt, all of that is what he's already given you. It's, my, it's his shield. It's his shield of faithfulness that you pick up. It's his word of the spirit that's your sword. It's his gift of salvation that covers your mind. Is anyone getting... It's, it, it, it's, it's the righteousness that he had that he gives to you that's now your breastplate. Is anyone getting freed up from performance? That it's not about you having to like get your mighty shield of faith today and it's, oh, it's, it's I'm not that strong today. I think my shield of faith is small, Lord. Someone pray for me. It's no, no, no. You're never meant to pick up your shield of faith. You're meant to pick up his. You're, you're meant to put on his helmet of salvation. You're meant to lift up his word, which is the spirit of God. So, meaning this, there's no level 10 Christians out there. One of the things that the devil lies to the church all the time is that there's some mighty anointing that you just haven't got hold of yet. It's just really untrue. There's no mighty anointing you haven't gotten hold of yet. It says in 1 John that you've received an anointing, and that anointing is from the Holy One. And it says that anointing is real. And some translations say that anointing abides, meaning it remains. So it's really funny. Here's God's list. You're anointed. You're called. The anointing is real. Here's the devil's list. You're not that anointed. You're not that called. Jim, Mary, someone's more anointed than you are. You know, there's something amazing. It says in John 38. Why don't you guys flip to John chapter uh, 7, verse 38. Not chapter 38. Because that doesn't exist. 
John chapter 7, verse 38 says this. It says, anyone who believes in me, this is Jesus speaking, it says, may come and drink, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. I'm going to read that again. If you guys have in your Bible, just go ahead and read it. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. Who? Anyone. Not you on your best day, not you on your worst day, anyone. Anyone can come and drink. And then he says, for the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from your life, from your heart. Let's just take a moment here. We're going to, anyone can come. Not just my people. Not just you on your best day. Not just you after you had great devotions in the morning. Anyone can come. The floodgates are open wide. Those that are far away, because of what Jesus did at the cross, he opened the floodgates wide. And he says, now anyone can come and not just be accepted, not just kind of come and, 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 you know, be included. He actually says, anyone can come and drink. Anyone can come and move into a place of not just seeing something, but experiencing something in God. Rivers of living water will flow from their heart, from his, from his life. Now, Rivers of living water, when Jesus is referencing this, this isn't new in the scriptures. Are you guys with me? Are, you guys, are we good? It's, it's not new in the scriptures, this term, rivers of living water. This, this is something that actually was already there. God's been speaking about this for some time. So why don't you guys turn to Ezekiel verse 40, or chapter 47. Ezekiel 47. Why don't you guys flip there? And I'm going to explain a little bit about Ezekiel, and then we're going to land this thing. So Ezekiel is a very messianic book. Ezekiel, th this book... Uh, takes place chronologically about 600 BC. So we're kind of getting pretty close to the coming of Jesus, right? Chronologically. 600 years is actually kind of close to Jesus' coming compared to a lot of the context of the Bible. His ministry kind of ran over a little bit with Jeremiah's. But Ezekiel, if there was a book of Acts of the Old Testament, it probably would probably be called Ezekiel. There are things that happen in Ezekiel. There's visions he's given that are foreshadowing what's to come. And it's almost like this. Now, how many of you guys know, I'm going to pick on Jim because he picks on me for, I'd say, three out of four messages I get reference to. So how sweet it is. No. Uh, so, so if you guys know Jim and Mary, how many of you guys love the bakers, by the way? Come on. So grateful for you guys. So Jim and Mary have this thing about Christmas that um, they get, you know, like many families do, celebrate Christmas, and they get gifts for one another. And Jim and Mary tend to get um, gifts, you know, kind of ahead of time. And mostly Jim um, is going to be so excited about the gift-giving part that I don't know, have you guys ever, in the last five years, have you made it to Christmas to open the gifts? No. <laughs> so he gets so excited that he can't help but give the gifts out to his kids and his wife early. What's, what's the earliest you guys have done in the last five years? Okay, so the earliest, the earliest they have done of opening their gifts to one another to celebrate Christmas is six weeks before Christmas. And not just, and, and I know Jim, not just one gift. If you start one, you're going to get them all. And, and it's this picture of he's just so excited. He's just so excited to love on his family. He's so excited to, to, to express this gift and what it means just to open it up and to like just start doing it and using it. 
You know, Ezekiel is like that. It's like the coming of Jesus is so close that God starts to just reveal stuff. It's coming. Does that make sense? Like Jesus is like almost here. Like, like he's coming. And so Ezekiel is this book where he's, it, chronologically, he's almost butting up against the coming of Jesus. And stuff gets revealed in here that's very, that's, that's foreshadowing and telling and promises in this have to do with the new covenant that we're about to step into with Jesus. Make sense? 90 times Ezekiel references son of man. It's the number one way Jesus referred to himself. 90 times. And in this book, in, in pictures of the Old Testament, we often have prophets or writers of the scriptures who they were in the place of God prophetically in the, in the story, right? So like David is synonymous with Jesus often, and there's these overlaps of these figures. Ezekiel, 90 times says son of, son of man. That was a term that wasn't very prevalent in, in, in scriptures just yet, but it was almost like, it's almost like God has this amazing thing that's coming, the, the fulfillment of promise in the person of Jesus. And he's just like, son of man, just like towards earth, like son of man's coming. Son of man, son of man, Ezekiel talking about son of man. And the people are hearing it and they don't have a great context for son of man, but over and over we hear it. Over and over Ezekiel is just... His, his writings, his life is so interwoven with the coming life of Jesus. Because Jesus, when Jesus came, he changed everything for us. It used to be follow the law and maybe you can get a drink. Now anyone can come and get a drink. It used to be follow the law and you can see what God does. Now it's come to me and I'm gonna, you will experience what God does. You're not just going to be a, a, a consumer and a... And a and watcher, you're, you're not just going to be seeing something work. You are the one that God's saying, you're now my temple. I'm going to come fill you. That I, I need to take care of the sin problem that's keeping people distant from me. Jesus came in bodily form, took care of our sin, went to the cross for us and as us. But we have to understand this. It opened up something that the scriptures were screaming, shouting, and whispering for generations. It opened up this anyone can come. It opened up that not just anyone can come and be part. You now are going to be where it flows from. Rivers of living water coming out of you. I'm almost done. Ezekiel paints this picture for us where in the Old Testament, here's a sneaky promise that God put in here. Just so sneaky. In the Old Testament, we, we don't see people filled with the Spirit as a life. We see a few every now and then uh, where the Spirit will come upon them. But we don't see someone until Jesus came walk in perfect unity with the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit. But in Ezekiel, he says something really interesting a few times. It says this. It says, uh, Ezekiel says, The Spirit of the Lord, in 11 verse 5, The Spirit of the Lord came upon me and told me to say, how many of you, you, you've seen that before in the Old Testament? The Spirit of the Lord shows up, and the prophet knows what to say. Then it says in other places, afterward, the Spirit of God carried me back again to Babylon, to the people in exile there. So now the Spirit is taking him places. Can you guys see this thing that's opening up? It's not just the Spirit speaking to you. It's actually way more than that. Then it says this in uh, chapter 37, then the Lord took hold of me. And I was carried away by the Spirit into a valley with bones. How many of you guys are familiar about, with this story of the Valley of Bones? I'm 
I'm going to read this, verse 30, I'm sorry, let's go to Ezekiel 37. We're going to, no, we'll stay on 47. We're going to stay on 47. This valley of bones, it says in the scriptures that the Spirit of God then came into Ezekiel. And out of this place of coming into Ezekiel, it says that he started to speak to the valley. He started to do something no one ever saw before. He started to, it says this. Okay, I can't help it. I'm pulling a gym. We're going to go to verse 30, chapter 37 real quick. Are you guys okay? He says this. Then he said to me, the Lord, speak a prophetic, verse 4, speak a prophetic message to these bones. Say, dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to breathe life into you and make you alive again. Verse 6, I will put flesh and muscle on you and cover you with skin. I will put breath into you, and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Verse 7, so I spoke the message just as, he t- just as he said. Suddenly, as I spoke, there was a rattling noise all across the valley. The bones of each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Then as I watched, muscle and flesh formed over the bones, then skin formed to cover their bones, but they still had no breath in them. Then he said to me, speak a prophetic message to the wind, son of man. Speak a prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath from the four winds. Breathe into these dead bodies so they may live again. So I spoke the message as he commanded it, and breath came into their bodies, and they all came to life and stood up on their feet, a great army. Can you guys see this picture of the New Testament? Can you see this picture that God's beginning to, to, to give to us through Ezekiel, this picture of you are lifeless, and even your best works, even you being the most successful version of you, you don't have the breath of God in you. E- even you accomplishing great things, it doesn't mean anything if the life of God isn't in you. The bones became flesh, they became a skeleton, they became a body, but yet he said, that's actually not my mission. The mission isn't just to, to, get, to get you to have a good life. The mission is for the, the living, breathing breath of God to change your life. And it's out of that place that you become an army. You become useful for the master. It's out of that place. It's not about our personal successes. It's not about any of that. If you don't have the breath of God in you, I don't care what's in your 401k. I don't care how much stuff you have. I don't care how successful your family looks. If you don't have the breath of God in you, you got nothing I want. Because of this, once you have the breath of God, there's nothing like it. Now, you have to be pretty close. You have to be pretty close to somebody to, for the breath to hit you. Hopefully a good breath. Praise <laughs> the Lord. You got to be pretty close to somebody for breath to hit you. We're going to drive to a point here with Ezekiel. Ezekiel's setting the stage for something that's absolutely life-changing, if you take hold of this. Now I'm going to flip over to Ezekiel 47. So Ezekiel has another vision, and these together are beginning to paint a picture of an invitation from the Lord for our lives, an invitation of what heaven is just like, can't wait for the New Testament believers to get a hold of. He says this in verse 47, In my vision, the man brought me back to the entrance of the temple. So Ezekiel was guided by a man. Then I saw a stream flowing from the east beneath the door of the temple and passing right uh, 
to the right of the altar on its south side. The man brought me outside the wall through the north gate and led me around the eastern entrance. There I could see the water flowing from the south side of the east gate. Measuring he went, as he went, he took me along the stream, so he, he's, he's going down it, and he measured up to 1,750 feet, and then he led me across. The water was up to my ankles. He measured off another 1,750 feet and led me across again. This time, the water was up to my knees. Another 1,750 feet, it was up to my waist. Then again, the river was so deep that now I had to walk across. It was too deep to walk across. It was deep enough to swim in, but too deep to walk through. He asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank, and when I returned, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. And then he said to me, this river flows east through the desert into the valley of the Dead Sea. The waters of the stream will make the salty waters of the Dead Sea fresh and pure. There will be swarms of living things wherever the water of this river flows. Fish will be bound in the Dead Sea, for its waters will become, will become fresh, will abound in the Dead Sea. Life will flourish wherever this water flows. Over and over, life flows where this water is found. Fishermen will stand together on the shores of the Dead Sea. All along the Engi and the Engileum, the shores will be covered with nets drying in the sun. Fish of every kind will find will be found in the Dead Sea because they will fill it just as they fill the Mediterranean. It says, but the marshes and swamps will not be purified. They will be salty. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown. They will never fall. There will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month. Come on. For they are watered by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be for food and the leaves for healing. You know, here's this picture of this river rising, of this river rising to the point that at once you step in ankle, then knee, then waist. Then it was too deep. Then Ezekiel actually had to learn a new way to navigate called swimming. He had to learn a different way to navigate life. How many of you know, as we go in further and further in relationship in the kingdom with Jesus, what worked in the past won't work in the future. What worked in the past won't work in the future. If you're in a, in a rising water level, you have to adapt to what God's doing. You have to adapt to what he's doing in your life. You know, one of the things that can really get us tethered to the past is we so enjoyed the season and we don't understand what he's doing, so we're hesitant to move forward. But the water level is rising. And here's where, here's where it begins to take trust. Is now the, now the, the level is rising, but you haven't seen any fruit yet. How many of you have been there? How many of you are there right now? Lord, thank you for the encouragement. I haven't seen fruit yet. My best Steve Backler impersonation. <laughs> that God can be moving in your life powerfully, and you see things happening, but there's no fruit yet. You're in a season of you're about to step into the fruit that you can't see. You're not in a season of earning the fruit. Does that make sense? 
the river, the river produces the fruit, produces the life. And it says this. It says Ezekiel was surprised to see many trees on the sides. He just thought this was like another thing that I'm like going through that I don't understand what's happening. The water level's rising, and I'm just going to make my way through this season. And then he got, then we actually looked around. He was like, whoa, there's fruit from this. You know, your season of life that you feel like is fruitless, you're believing a lie from the devil because if, if the river of life is in you and flowing through you, it says your leaves will never fall. Does that make sense? You can be in a season where you're just kind of getting your head above water to see around you and you're going to get encouraged by what God's doing in your life. But if you listen to the devil, he's going to be like, you're fruitless. This river is too hard for you. You can't even swim. Your calling's too big for you. The season that you're in right now is going to drown you. How many of you know that's not your destiny? That's not the promise of the Lord over your life. You're actually going to be in this season. You're going to learn how to navigate differently. You're going to swim, and then you're going to see fruit you've never dreamed of. And it's literally going to look like healing to those around you. It's literally going to look like like the, 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 the overflow of God's life in you. Just the overflow, just the overflow is healing. Is fruit and healing. When we go back to John chapter 7, verse 38, anyone who comes to me, guess what your life can look like? Your life can look like fruit. Your life can look like life flowing out of you. Your life's going to look like healing to those around you. Some of you guys have people in your life that you feel like, I'm, I, I, got, I got dry bones in my way. I got, I got a valley of dry bones in front of me. And some of you have, have had setbacks with people. You've, whatever that looks like. They were going one direction, maybe they went another direction, and all of a sudden you feel like you got a valley of dry bones. You feel like there's dry bones in front of you. How many of you know God's given us a promise that if we release the breath of life, they can come back again. They can become alive again. That that valley is full of potential. That problem that you're facing actually has a solution in heavenly places, amen? And this river of life that we see Jesus reference in John 7, 38 is actually alluded to as this picture of life flowing in such a way that all of your obstacles begin to have solutions because the life of God's flowing through you. Now, some of you are like, listen, that sounds like a happy, clappy gospel. I don't know, man. I think Jesus is a little happy and clappy sometimes. He actually has good news to tell us. Jesus, Jesus, when he went to the cross, he, he, wasn't, he was doing it, you know, so that, hey, you could, like, you know, hopefully figure out the mysteries of the kingdom. He was doing it so that he could be with you. He was actually doing it so he could now not be a Jesus who's far away in heaven sitting in this place and, you know, hopefully you make it there and you guys can be buddies in heaven. It's going to be awesome. He actually is like, no, I'm going to come to them. Not just once. I'm going to live with them. Throughout this, this book of Ezekiel, we see this picture over and over again of this foretelling of what God wants to do in our lives as New Testament believers. And he ends the book with this. It says, Ezekiel 48, verse 35, talking about the, this, the, the, this restoration of, of the city of God, this restoration of people, this restoration of what God's purposes are doing. He says, and from that day, the name of the city will be the Lord is there. Verse Ezekiel 48, verse 35, we could put it overhead. The name of the city is actually the Lord is there. What that is is Jehovah Shema. It's his name. It says the Lord is present. 
There's no, there's no, there's no hidden anointing. There's no anointing that you just haven't run into yet. It's just the anointing of Jesus. It's just us having a renewed mind and stepping into the anointing of Jesus. If, if, you, if you try to convince me there's an anointing greater than Jesus, you're going to lose that conversation. And you're chasing something that's not true. It's just the anointing of Jesus. And when Jesus came, it says the kingdom of God came near. The city known as the Lord is present came near. That city is now here. It says it's at hand. It says the breath of God is close. You know, being able to lead a ministry school, I love hearing stories about students. I asked some students this last quarter to share some of their stories and testimony. You want to hear some really amazing things? We had somebody, uh, one student was like, uh, she was sharing her story, and she's like, yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't come from like a charismatic environment, and so for me, like speaking in tongues was very foreign, very strange. That's like, that's like Looney Tunes, like it's just like not for me, like I love Jesus, but I don't know about that, you know, and, um, and she's just like, so, you know, I just always, I just never really turned that corner, but one day she kept reading in the scripture. She's like, well, I believe the other stuff in the Bible, and it's in there, so okay, Lord, if this is true, like, just, like, get that to me. Like, that was her prayer. Like, get the gift, get, get the speaking in tongues thing to me, because I'm not going to go get it. You got to get it to me. So she's walking one day, and she loves the Lord. Like, it, it was her best, like, faith-filled prayer that she could do. And she loves the Lord. She's walking one day down the street, going shopping, and some woman comes up to her and says, the Lord wants to give you the gift of tongues. <laughs> so she's like, She's like, I was just talking to him about that. And, and th this woman's like, I know, he wants to give you the gift of tongues right now. Are you ready? And she's like, yeah. She like puts her, you know, her stuff down. And she's just like, okay, Jesus. Like, and she got baptized and got the gift of tongues, speaking in a heavenly language. We had another student, we had another student who um, was very kind of like, she was going through a really hard time, actually. She was uh, around her, you know, teenage years, pretty formative years her dad was preaching atheism to her. So her dad was like, was proselytizing her to believe that there is no God and was even giving her like resources and these teachers that say that, you know, God's not real and, you know, just the whole, the weird lie, it's just, anyway. Um, but was being preached atheism to. And how many of you know, your parents have great influence on your heart, great influence on you. So here's this girl, a, a teenager who, is just in a weird situation where she's heard about Jesus and she actually started going to a youth group and then her dad started to preach that Jesus isn't real and stuff to her and start to like forbade her from going to a youth group. And so she's, she's like in between two worlds where she wants to like honor her father and like listen to what he said. Maybe he's right, right? How many of you found sometimes a lie feels true, right? And you're like, wait, I got to get my head on. What, what's happening here? She's like, is it true? I don't know. I'm hearing about Jesus and atheism. Which one's right? Her friend asked her, she goes, hey, I like this boy. And he goes to his youth camp. Would you come with me? And, and, and she's like, I just want you to be there with me because I like him. And maybe he'll like talk to me if you're there with me. So she's like, all right, that's fine. Like my dad might be upset, but okay, I'm going to go. So she winds up going to this youth camp. And it was like, it was like, they just showed up for a night. It was like a three-day thing. They drive way out to the country. They show up there. And she, they're, they're worshiping, and all this stuff is happening. And, you know, she's just kind of there, like, what am I doing here, Lord? Right? How many of you have been in that place? You show up somewhere, like, like what am I, how did I, how did you guys get in the room today, right? Maybe some of you are here, like, how am I here right now? She's in that place. How am I here, Lord? All of a sudden, this woman 
comes into to, to the, um, the room that they were in, the sanctuary room they were in because they were, they were worshiping, comes, up, comes in uninvited to this youth camp. Every youth pastor is like having a heart attack of like, you know, risk policy right now. She, she, she comes in uninvited and goes up to her and says, the Lord has a calling for your life. Your dad's been preaching to you. There is no God. Jesus wants you to know he's real and he's got a calling on your life. She's like, what? And, and what she didn't, so, so she always felt like she had to really perform for God in her prayer life. So she would try to use, she literally had a dictionary and would look up big words to pray to God because she just thought he would like that. Like, and so she struggled praying because she ran out of big words. This is a true story. Well, this person who came up and said, God has a calling on your life. He's real. Your dad's teaching you stuff that's not true. She goes, and, I, and, and the Lord said that you don't have to use big words when you pray anymore. Her life gets totally transformed and changed. How many of you know this woman was not part of this youth camp at all, had no affiliation? She just heard the Lord say, go and prophesy over a blonde-haired girl in there. I'll tell you what to say. What does this look like? This looks like rivers of living water coming out of people. These two students, their lives were changed by the person who just said yes to the Lord of, I'm going to go and I feel like the Lord wants that person to be baptized in the Spirit right now and speak in tongues while we're shopping. The other person was like, I don't even know if there's youth in there, but the Lord's saying there's like a 16-year-old blonde girl and I'm going to prophesy over her. She goes in, their lives are totally transformed. They're following the Lord. They're in ministry school. It's amazing what happens when a river isn't just known, when the river flows. I want to do this. If, If you're in the room right now, and you want to say yes to Jesus, you're like, listen, I, I've heard this before. I've been around church. I've been around people. I've been around Christians. And maybe you've seen Christians not act the way that they should. Maybe you've seen some hypocrisy in people's lives. I just want to tell you, listen, man, Jesus is better than any version of a Christian we can ever meet. And if that has been you, maybe that's not your exact story, but you're in the room right now, and you know maybe you're not right with God. You know that you don't have this breath of God in your life that flows, that feels like life, that feels like peace. Maybe it's a place that you feel like, man, I've been stuck in some junk and I can't get out of it. Can I just ask you to stand right now? And if I could have everyone else in the room, just limit the movement. Robin, you can come on up. If that's you, can you just stand right now and you say, hey, I want to give my life to Jesus today. We have some worship team members coming up. If that's you, can I, can I just ask you to just stand? I know it takes courage in a room like this. Listen, I've been in that room before where my heart was pounding. I was like sweating. Like, you know, someone, the pastor says, do you want to give your life to Jesus? And you just start looking around like, well, do you? Like, I don't know. I'm good. I'm good. I'm the one sweating. My heart's pounding. But do you, you know? If that's you, guys, I just want to tell you, let today be the day that that breath of life flows in. Let today be the day that you start encountering the Jesus who says anyone can come and drink. Anyone can come and drink. If that's you, just go ahead and pop to your feet right now. Just going to give this a moment. Just allow your heart to meet with the Lord just right where you are and just stand up right now. That's you saying, I'm going to say yes to Jesus today publicly in front of people. I have news for you. If you, if you say yes to him, he says yes to you every day of your life from here on out. Is there anyone here who would want to respond and say, hey, I, I want that. I want that river of water in my life. I want to be done with the way I've been doing life, and I want to start living with Jesus. Jesus.